Well, as you know, I'm a grandfather, and uh, I just wanted to say that again. I'm a grandfather, and my sweet little granddaughter, little Nora, uh, came to the house yesterday, and I got home about 6 o'clock and saw little Nora, and I, I began to think, uh, by the way, Nora is perfect, absolutely perfect, gorgeous, beautiful, uh, the perfect baby. But as I was thinking and reflecting, and Edie and I uh, might have mentioned something to each other, that babies have a tendency to get on a struggle bus every now and then. Uh, what I mean by that is there's something going on in their heart, in their head, in their mind, in their body that sh th that baby needs something. The baby doesn't even know what the baby needs, but the baby needs something. There's, there's something that that is troubling that baby. And the great thing about babies, or not so great, depending on your, how much sleep you've had that night, the great thing about babies is they will let you know if something, if they need something. They can't tell you exactly what it is, but they'll let you know, hey, I need something. And they let you know by filling up their lungs with air and wailing. And that's how you know the baby's on the struggle bus. Edie and I had to walk through that with uh, all four of our daughters, and uh, as perfect as they are, they had those seasons of struggle bus moments, and Elizabeth and Will are going to have that same encounter with little Nora, because that's what babies do. Uh, they cry out for help uh, when they're going through uh, pain or sorrow or hurt, or grief, or hunger. Now, all they know to do is fill up their lungs and wail. Well, as we look at Psalm chapter 6, uh, we need to see that the psalmist was on the struggle bus, or had been. He, he had been on that struggle bus where he was uh, filled with pain, and grief, and mourning, and loss, and all he need, knew to do was to fill up his lungs and wail to his Father in heaven. And as the psalmist gets on the other side of that season, he picks up his quill and his parchment, and he begins to reflect on that season on the struggle bus in his life. And he pins the lyrics to the song that we have in Psalm chapter 6. So pick up your copy of Scripture uh, and uh, follow along as I read Psalm chapter 6 for us today. O oh Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger, nor chasten me in your hot, hot displeasure. Have mercy on me, O oh Lord, for I am weak. O oh Lord, heal me, for my bones are troubled." My soul also is greatly troubled, but you, O Lord, how long? And verse 3 is simply saying, Lord, how long is this going to go on? The pain, the struggle, the grief, the hurt, the heartache, uh, whatever's going on in the psalmist's life, he's saying, God, how long do I have to endure this? Verse 4, return, O Lord, deliver me. Save me for your mercy's sake. For in death there is no remembrance of you. In the grave, who will give you thanks? I am weary with my groaning. All night I make my bed swim. I drench my couch 
with tears. I mean, that's some visual right there. My eye wastes away because of my grief. It grows old because of all my enemies. Stop there and talk just for a second about the enemies. One of the uh, Old Testament scholars that I was reading, and uh, he was mentioning that uh, it seems that for the psalmist, the enemy or the greatest enemy that he faced was himself. I think that's probably true for most of us. Certainly, uh, the intangible virus that has shut us all indoors and kept us all six feet apart uh, or wearing masks, certainly that seems like an enemy. But the way we respond to the virus, maybe that is an even greater enemy. He goes on in verse uh, 8. And and by the way, verse 8, the psalmist turns a corner. Something changes. As, as he's riding the struggle bus through the pain and, and the difficulty and the trauma and the trouble and the loss and the emptiness and the grief and the sorrow and the fear and the anxiety, all those things piled on top of him. Verse 8, things turn around. And he says, depart from me, all you workers of iniquity, for the Lord has heard the voice of my weeping. The Lord has heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. Let all my enemies be ashamed and greatly troubled. Let them turn back and be ashamed suddenly. Well, as we look through this psalm together, I, I, I pray that you and I would begin to evaluate what, what it is that the psalmist is trying to say and what God is teaching us through these words that the psalmist is saying, and that we would see how it applies to our everyday life. And maybe you're here, not here, here physically, maybe you're here and you're going through your own struggle bus season. Maybe it's uh, troubles upon troubles piled high. Maybe, maybe pain is piled on you and you're prone under the weight of that pain. Maybe it's fear. And maybe it's disconnection in relationships. Maybe it's trouble in your finances. You've been furloughed. I, I don't know um, what it is you're going through any more than I know what will cause baby Nora to wail. But God does know, and God longs for you to follow the journey of the psalmist and the lyrics of this song and see how that you and I can find relief, how that we can find joy even while we're riding the struggle bus. And the first word in this song gives us the clue to what we can do and what we must do if we're going to find joy again. The very first word of this song is God, Yahweh. If you and I are going to experience joy in the face of struggle bus moments uh, where pain is piled on top of pain on top of us, if we're going to find joy again, then it begins, that joy begins with God. And what the psalmist shows us in his own experience as he's looking back 
on his own journey, what he shows us, what God teaches us, what I pray you and I will take hold of is that God's love shines hope on us and soaks our soul with joy. It is God's love that shines hope in these dark moments so that our soul will be filled and saturated with joy, the kind of joy that Jesus promised in John chapter 15. When he said, when he said, as the Father has loved me, I've also loved you. Abide in my love. You abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, just as I abide in my Father's love and, and keep his commandments. And then verse 11, these things I've spoken to you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. See, the promise that Jesus makes is that we can have a joy that is satisfying. That's full joy, the fullness of joy, the full flavor of joy. But how do we get there? It comes through the hope that God's love shines on us. So let's, let's evaluate from God's Word. This is the very truth of God spoken to us. And let's see how that even our darkest moments can become um, an opportunity for God's hope to shine brightest and joy can satisfy us even in those dark days. All right? So let's look at this passage together. Again, let's break it apart. Uh, we're going to look at verses 1 through 3, and then we're going to look at verses 4 uh, through uh, uh, 7, and th- uh, 4 through 5, and then we're going to look at verses 6 through 10, okay? So, uh, as we trace the journey of the psalm, and we can see God's love becomes really the theme. Um, and in fact, I, and I'm going to give you some propositional statements, okay? So, here's a propositional statement from this passage and through Scripture. It's that God's compassion shines hope on us. God's compassion shines hope on us. So, it, it begins, uh, the psalmist is pleading, verse 1 says, Lord, don't rebuke me in your anger. Don't, don't discipline me in your displeasure. Now, why would he ask that? Well, because he is sitting at the bottom of a pile of pain. And at the bottom of the pile of pain, he doesn't need an I told you so. Now, we all need I told you so's. We all need the truth that God's rebuke and discipline provide. In fact, those are parenting terms, and and I love those parenting terms. See, uh, so often as a mom or a dad, I'm the dad and Edie is the mom, we will uh, give truth to our children. And that's our job. It's essential for us to do that. It's like, uh, honey, if you touch a hot stove, your finger's going to get burned. Don't do that. That's truth. Honey, if you uh, play with a dog whose tail's been cut off, he's going to bite you. That was my mom and dad's truth to me. If you play with a dog whose tail has been cut off, it's going to bite you. Don't touch that dog's snub of a tail nub of a tail. And, and mom and dad would tell me, don't touch that t- dog. Don't, don't play with that dog. That dog is going to bite you. Now, that was truth. But being the kind of boy that I was, I determined to ignore the truth. And I walked up to the dog, and I played with the nub of the tail, and the dog turned around and bit me on the face and bit me. I have teeth marks here and here, uh, and that is, uh, you know, I'm 50 years old, 
and there's still, you, you can see the scars. Now, blood flying everywhere. Uh, I'm screaming and crying. I've been bit by a dog. And my mom and dad come up and say, I told you so. Well, of course not. My mom and dad, they, they love me, and, and they see in the midst of my pain, they don't, that's not an I told you so moment. Well, the psalmist was trying to communicate, God, I am, I'm bleeding over here. I am wounded. I am broken. I am devastated. Don't, don't discipline me anymore. Not, not, not right now. That's not what I need. Don't, don't rebuke me right now. Oh, God, verse 2, have mercy on me. See, that, that term, have mercy, is, is a term that means to show favor. In fact, it, it's, it's a picture of God's compassion. And, and that is a picture of God providing for us exactly what we need, especially when we are desperate and overwhelmed. It is a picture of God coming to our aid. Like my parents would come to me, and here I am bleeding and crying and wailing and in pain and scared. My parents don't say, I told you so, but rather they pick me up in their arms, and they try to uh, bind the wounds, and they take me to the doctor to see if I need any stitches. They say soothing words. The I told you will come later. But in that moment, they need compassion. Because we're sitting in, in, under the weight of despair. We're sitting uh, with the struggle bus driving over us. And we need not an I told you so. We need compassion. Uh, God gives us the truth of his rebuke and his discipline. He gives us that every day. In fact, I, I, I know that if I'm being uh, overwhelmed with pain or grief or sorrow, the first diagnostic question I ask myself is, is there sin in my life that I need to get rid of? And I, I, I really want you to think about this. And the way we know that there's sin in our life that we need to get rid of is because of the truth now, the rebuke of the Spirit of God through the Word of God and the discipline, which is the education of God through the Word of God, they come to us and they show us where we're off, sync, uh, off course or out of sync with the will of God. So I need the truth that gives me that course correction. But there are times when I'm just overwhelmed. Even if I'm in a mess of my own making, and I'm bleeding, and I'm wounded, and I'm grieving. And in that moment, I need more than truth. I need compassion. Have mercy. Have compassion on me, O oh God. Can I tell you that a loving mom or dad's going to hear or grand? mom or granddad is going to hear a baby wailing, and they're not going to say, you don't have any reason to wail. There's no reason for you to cry, or you're crying because, you know, you soiled your diaper. Don't do that anymore, right? I, that's not what a parent does. What does a parent do? That baby's crying. That baby cries in my house. I'm going to run over, and I'm going to pick little Nora up, and I'm going to hold her in my arms, 
and I'm going to sway with her and soothe her as much as I can until, until she feels safe again. Can I tell you, that's what God wants to do. In fact, the very picture of compassion is the person of Jesus. And Jesus came to rescue sinners like you and me. And that is a picture of God uh, favoring us, showing grace to us when we didn't deserve it. Our sin has separated us from God. But God in his favor, showing compassion on us, sent Jesus, who is fully God, to become a baby, to live his life perfectly, to go to a cross, to die in my place for my sin, taking my punishment for me, so that through his death on the cross, I have a chance to be forgiven and through faith in Jesus, I can be brought into God's family. This is what's missing in so many people's lives. They, they feel overwhelmed with their circumstances or their sin and their struggle. The pain is real, but they, they're separated from God. And God longs for you and for me to find the full measure of life, the truest of ourself, he longs for you to know joy that is full and satisfied. And that comes through faith in Christ. The greatest act of God's love that expresses compassion. And if you're part of God's family through faith in Christ, then you have hope no matter what you may be facing. God's compassion, a byproduct of his love, his compassion shines hope on us even in the darkest days, so that we can soak in the joy that he provides. The second thing we see in this text is not only does compassion uh, give us hope that produces joy, but also God's commitment. God's commitment to us shines hope to our hearts. Uh, this is specifically verse 4. Return, O Lord, deliver me. Save me for your mercy's sake. Now, the term mercy uh, in verse 2 is different than the term mercy in verse 4. The term mercy in verse 2 is a Hebrew verb uh, that means to show favor, uh, to provide uh, what is needed for someone in need. The term in verse 4 is hesed. It's a different, it's a noun. It's a different word altogether. And it is a picture of God's mercy. Yes, it's a picture of God's love. Yes, it's a picture of his love that brings us into his family. It's a picture of his faithful love, his steadfast love, his family-making love. It is a picture of his covenant to us. And that is the commitment that he has made. Now, here's the picture, and I want you to see this. Every child of mine will have me as their daddy till the day I die. There is no daughter or granddaughter or son-in-law that 
somehow doesn't become, uh, that so- somehow stops being part of my family. Well, every daughter of mine is my daughter, and I am committed to them. I am with them, and I am for them. When they make good decisions, when they make bad decisions. When they go down good roads or bad roads. When circumstances are great or when circumstances stink, I am with them. I am their dad. And there is no time that I will stop being their dad. I, there is no time that I will stop being with them and for them. They are mine, and I am theirs. And that's what God promises to you and me. That is his commitment to us. It is for his mercy's sake that he is going to rescue. It is for his mercy's sake, for this this steadfast love of God, where he is committed to you eternally. If by faith you have walked across this bridge that Jesus has provided through his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead, if by faith you have trusted what Jesus did as applied to your account, if by faith you have turned from your sin and you have trusted in Jesus, then God has brought you into his family. And in that moment, he says, you are mine and I am yours. And there is nothing, nothing, nothing that will separate you from my love, my commitment. Oh, friends, please understand, God loves you. Mm, He loves you so much. He loves you better than I can love my daughters. He loves you. He is for you. He is with you. And when God is with us and when God is for us, we need not fear. If God is for us, then we are more than conquerors over everything else that we may face. When God's love wraps us up in his family, His commitment to us is eternal. That's what Paul's getting at in Romans chapter 8. He says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall ever, ever, ever separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Friends, remember the love of God in Christ for you. There is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. What shines hope in our hearts in seasons of deep darkness is that God is for us, that God is with us because he is our Father. It is God's compassion that shines hope on us. It is God's commitment that shines hope on us. And it is confidence in God's love that shines hope on us. Confidence, your confidence, my confidence. See, I want you to take note again, verse 6 and 7. I'm weary with my groaning. All night I make my bed swim. I drench my couch with my tears. My eye wastes away because of my grief. It grows old because of all my enemies. Depart- so, so verse 6 and 7, everything's bad. Have you ever been, been in those moments yourself? Everything's bad. Your, your little Nora wailing, filling your lungs with air so that you can just say, I am not okay. That's what the psalmist was doing. Verse 6 and 7, everything's bad. But there's a turnaround in verse 8. In verse 8, 
the psalmist gets up with courage. You see, what makes the difference? Look at verse 8. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. All you toxic thinking people, stay away from me. I don't want any sin doers around me. Why? Because God is for me. His love is with me. His love is shining hope in my heart, and I don't want any distraction of sin in my way. Verse, verse 8, the second part. For the Lord has heard the voice of my weeping like a loving dad or a loving mom or a loving granddad or a loving grandmom or a loving uh, aunt or uncle. God hears the cry of the little baby and says, here I am, here I come, and picks us up in his arms and holds us close. The Lord has heard the voice of my weeping. Verse 9, the Lord has heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. God says, hey, I am with you. I am for you. No, I told you so's in this moment. Here I am to hold you close, to comfort you, to provide for you, just to love you as you walk through this challenging time. The psalmist found confidence in God's love, and it's that confidence in God's love that gives us hope today. See, my prayer for you is that God would grant you confidence in his love. The psalmist had it. He says, he says, the Lord has heard the voice of my weeping. He knew that God's love was going to bring an answer. He says, verse 9, the Lord has heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. He knew that God's love was bringing hope for an answer. It is God's love that shines hope in our darkest moments. And it is that hope that produces a satisfying joy even as we're driving on this struggle bus of life. Whatever it is you're going through right now, can I encourage you today, please, I beg you, don't run away from God the Father, but run toward him. You might say, well, I'm, I, I'm struggling, Eric. I, I don't know what to do. I, I don't know how to deal with, I'm, I'm bleeding and wounded from the inside out. I'm, 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 I'm hurt. I'm, I'm confused. I'm filled with doubt. I have questions upon questions. Uh, pain is piled on top of me, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm suffocating under the weight of it. I, uh, Eric, you, you just don't understand how bad it is for me. You'd be surprised, Maybe. It, it, you'd be surprised. I understand being wounded from the inside out. Most of the time from my, own, from my own sin or disobedience or rebellion, sometimes from circumstances. Yeah, I get it. But can, can I tell you, the psalmist paints a way for us to find joy again, even when everything else is overwhelming to us. The, the, the psalmist offers us this wonderful picture of God's love that gives us confidence in the here and now. And, and can, I, can I suggest that maybe the best course of action for you and me, as we're going through the, the struggles of troubles and the despondency and despair of, of, of dark times, can I, can I suggest that even with our doubts and our questions and our fears and our anxieties, in those moments we need to, we need to approach the throne of God's grace. We need to come to him humbly uh, with, 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 with this wailing cry. 
Now just hear me, O God. Have mercy on me, O God. Rescue me for your love's sake, O God. You know, I say, well, I just, I, I don't know if God really hears me. Come on, man. Can I tell you, there is not a moment while that my little grandbaby Nora's in our house that her mother and her dad aren't listening for the least little cry. I mean, they've got their ears and their senses on high alert. You know, I say, well, I don't know that God really responds to me like that. Oh, he does. In fact, Jesus said it this way. He said, he said if, 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 if you want, then you need to, if you want something, if, if there's need, if there's a wail in your soul, then W-A-I-L, there's a wail in your soul, uh, a weeping in your heart. Here's what you need to do. He said, keep on seeking. Keep on asking, keep on knocking, and it will be delivered to you. I beg you in this moment, whatever moment you're in, will you keep on asking? Don't stop asking God to deliver you. Don't stop seeking God's truth and course correction. Don't stop believing that God can and will do for you what a loving father will do. So how, how do you leave this moment? What, what, what do we take with us? Well, besides uh, this prayer that we pray, and by the way, the, the whole prayer is an application. Through the act of faith-filled praying, of, of keeping on asking and keeping on believing, the, the psalmist rolls the tape forward to the end of the struggle bus journey. He's looking back, and he's saying, this is the journey for me, but God has received my prayer. The answer is provided. And for you and me, I, I think maybe what we need to do is we need to roll the tape forward if we're in the middle of this a struggle bus season. Maybe it's the beginning. Maybe it's the middle. But, but we're filled with doubt and heartache and, and fear. We're wailing. We're crying. We're wounded from the inside out. Roll the tape forward. Have you ever been watching a movie, not a Hallmark movie because they all have the same plot and the same ending, but have you ever watched a movie, a really good movie, where in the middle of that movie, the suspense, the plot thickens so deeply? The pain of that plot. I mean, it, it becomes heavy in the room, and you're, you, you just, the tension is so great. You don't know who's going to live, who's going to die. You don't know who's going to win and who's going to lose. You don't know who's going to get married and who's not going to get married. You don't know how it's going to end, but the plot is so thick and, and tense that you just can't take it anymore, and you Google the end of the movie. Have you ever done that? You want to find out how it ends because you can't take any more of this tension, this, this plot pain. You can't take it anymore, so you Google the end and you find out how it's resolved. And then you can watch the rest of the movie and be okay. I think that's what this psalm wants to help us do. We're in the middle or the beginning 
of struggle bus season. Don't just live in the pain of that moment, but roll the tape forward, Google to the end. Can I tell you what it is? Can I tell you the ending? If you're a follower of Jesus, if you belong to God through faith in Christ, here's the end. You win. You win because Jesus wins. And you might be in this moment and you don't taste the meat of Christ's victory in the midst of this struggle bus season. You might not taste the meat of that victory, but you can smell the aroma of that victory. Through faith, you can smell the aroma like, like a, a, a beautiful breakfast that, that's made in your home, and, and, and that breakfast with homemade biscuits and gravy and eggs and bacon and bacon and bacon, and all that breakfast is made, and it fills the entire house with this wondrous, sumptuous aroma, and you're upstairs, and you're getting up, and you smell that breakfast. You can't taste it, but you can smell it, and that aroma gives you a deeper hunger. In the same way, God wants us to be walking through this journey with a deeper hunger for him and his love, to see his love as shining hope for our right now and giving joy to us that is satisfying and complete. You know, Jeremiah was a prophet that went through the worst of worst times. And in fact, it was so bad for him that he wrote a follow-up piece to his prophecies. And the book of Jeremiah is, is his. Lamentations is kind of the follow-up to that. Now, Lamentations, you think that's the name of the book, Lamentations, to lament. A bunch of laments, a bunch of complaints, a bunch of wailing. And, and so Jeremiah wrote uh, Lamentations, and in the midst of that lamentation, I want you to listen to what he writes, and maybe you can identify in your own journey. Lamentations chapter 3, verses 17 through 23. Lamentations 3, verses 17 through 23. And I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Here's what Jeremiah said. He said, my, now this is the prophet of God. This is the man who is, who is the representative of God in a, in a time when most people were not even caring about God. Okay. So he is, he is the holy one that God had set apart with his message. And here's what he said. He said, my soul is bereft of peace. Have you ever felt that? I don't have any peace. He goes on, I have forgotten what happiness is. Have you ever felt that? I say, my endurance has perished. I can't take it anymore. And my hope from the Lord has perished as well. Remember my affliction, he says. Remember my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall, all bad stuff. Then he goes on, he says, my soul continually remembers all this bad stuff and is bowed down within me. So his soul is bowed down. His strength has gone. His endurance has left him. His hope is no more. His peace is vanished. And in the midst of that struggle bus, here's what he says, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have 
the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, God. God's love greets us each day to shine hope to our hearts and to soak our soul in joy so that even in the darkest moments, we can declare that it is well with my soul. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Lord God, in these moments as we have gathered in your name, as we've sought your face, I pray first and foremost for any here who have not yet come to faith in Christ as Savior and King. I pray, God, that you would give them the faith that they need to call upon you for rescue. Father, I pray for those who belong to your family who are struggling in the season of doubt or insecurity or pain, whether it's a mess that they've caused for themselves through disobedience to you, like we all have, or whether it's circumstances that have just gone crazy, I pray in this moment that you would open their eyes for them to see your love, a love that brings compassion to shine hope and deliver joy, a love that is eternally committed because God is with us and for us, and we have hope, and he gives us joy. I pray that you would spark in our hearts confidence in this joy, confidence in this love that you have for us so that we might have joy. God, help for our hearts to sing songs of celebration now as we reflect on how much you love us. Help for us to look to you right now even with this song that we're about to sing. And help for it to be the plea of our heart, the cry of our voice, and answer us. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.